Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And welcome to another great episode of Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Uh, I'm Marty Fisher, and boy, am I glad to be here. And, and we have got a remarkable show lined up for you this week. Uh, lots of stuff going on that we're going to talk about. Uh, I've got a, uh, a guest that I'm, I'm really, really, really happy to have on this show Um uh, and, and he'll be on here in just a few minutes. Uh, uh, John Kruger, uh, you know, Mr. Sporting Clays, as we called him early on, because when this guy showed up to a shoot, uh, you know, you were, you were almost trying to figure out who was going to get second place because John was uh, uh, as deadly as they come. But we're going to we're going to talk a lot about the early days of, of sporting and, and just get into a lot of other things. But let me, um, <clears throat> You know, get into my housekeeping here just a little bit. I want to remind everybody, uh, the first segment of our show every week is brought to you by my good friends at the Crushable Vault. And, you know, if you haven't had a chance to, to check out that product, I really encourage you to do so. Uh, you know, we're, we're all scared to death about having somebody take our guns out of our vehicles or, or something like that. And the, and the guys at the Crushable Vault have actually designed the product that um, – uh, it, it doesn't even look like a gun case because it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a cover for the for the cases with uh, with a wrap system and and things like that, and you can actually, you know, tie it into your into your truck or your SUV or your car, and uh, you know the the, the regular. Thieves can't get to it. I mean, if he doesn't show up with the jaws of life, your guns aren't going anywhere. So do yourself a favor, check out. Uh, the Crushable Vault uh, at uh, crushablevault.com. Uh, if you like what you see, and I'm sure you will, uh, at checkout, there's a little box there. Uh, type in the word Marty, and you'll get an instant 10% off of the of the purchase price. So uh, by all means, go check those guys out. And, and, you know, with all that being said, what's going on? Well, uh, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, I... Uh, I I see where CZ USA, you know, it's a, uh, a gun company, a shotgun, uh, makes really nice shotguns that a lot of folks have uh, have CZs. Uh, CZ is actually bringing its production and American headquarters to Little Rock, Arkansas. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, they're getting ready to crank that up. They, uh, uh, they're going to. They're going to start with, um, you know, building the production production facility, and and uh, they'll actually start cranking out guns, you know, probably sometimes in uh, in, in 2020, hopefully. Uh, secondly, and this is uh, this is exciting for me. I've got a a young man that I met many, many, many years ago. I mean, his dad brought him out to when I was running the Cherokee Rose Club down south of Atlanta in the early 1990s. Uh, Jim Scro, uh, you know, Jim's been around. He's uh, he's he's worked for. Uh, a lot of different gun companies, uh, Franchi and Benelli and Beretta, you know, and companies, companies like that. But but Jens was just just named here just a couple of days ago, Vice President Sales and Marketing for Blossom USA. And uh, and Jens will do a great job. He's uh, he he knows the business and 
And uh, he is an avid shooter and hunter. And, uh, you know, we certainly need those kind of guys in the business. So, Jens, good luck at Blosser. I know you'll do a great job. Now, one other thing that I came across, and, <clears throat> and this was kind of interesting, uh, Fabon, they have... Uh, They've got a whole bunch of new guns getting ready to come out. And, you know, I, I looked on their website, and boy, I mean, those things are, are actually pretty cool looking. They, you know, got some some different colors and things like that. And, uh, you know, they've got a, a target gun, the XLR5 uh, Griffin, uh, which is uh, a really a neat-looking gun. And then they've got an over and under, which now this is unique, uh, the Elos into All Sport. Now, when it says All Sport, what does that mean? Well, basically... Uh, what it means is that you can you can take this gun and switch it from a sporting gun to a trap gun literally in seconds. And the reason that they can, you can do that is because the rear gun and snaps on and snaps off, and and so and the comb goes up and down. So you can actually adjust that gun instantly and go from a sporting gun to a trap gun and by and then back. Uh, their hunting gun, the XLR5, is a composite, and then they've got a. Uh, an L4S uh, sporting compact uh, automatic that uh, has a reduced length to pull. It's a really little compact gun. So check those guys out, fabarm, fabarm.com, and, uh, and, and take a look at the new stuff. One other thing before I, uh, <clears throat> I get into some things that are coming up here, uh, Cardinal Shooting Center up in Marengo, Ohio. That's up north of Columbus a little bit, and they have – a lot of shoots up there. This is where the the uh, Scholastic Clay, Clay Target National Championship is held. That's coming up in July. They've got the Ohio State uh, trap shoot coming up in uh, June the 17th to the 23rd. But what's unique about uh, things going on there at at Cardinal right now? They've got 52 trap fields. Now, you know, if you go to a lot of gun clubs, 52 trap fields would scare a lot of people to death. But um, what Cardinal's doing is they are actually installing a shot curtain. And that shot curtain is going to run that entire length of those 52 fields. And what that's going to do is two things. One, it's it's going to be able to collect the shot where it drops down and, uh, and, and can, be, uh, can be mined or picked up at, at the time that they plan to do it. Uh, and number two, it's going to give the shooters an absolute neutral background to look at all the time because it, it's, a, it's the same color and the targets are going to stand out against it. So, you know, you may see a lot of gun clubs starting to go to that down the road, um, you know, being able to, uh, to take care of the, of the lead issues that, that spread out there. And this is especially the case on, on trap fields because, uh, uh, you know, you can pretty much pretty much tell exactly where all of that shot's going to fall. Uh, <clears throat> real quick, uh, the Kriegoff Masters Skeet Championships coming up um, May 2nd through the 5th out at Far City Gun Club in Savannah. The Texas State Sporting Clays Championship is going on right now out over in San Antonio. And, and uh, you know, somebody has um, uh, got a rabbit's foot in their pocket because, you know, early in the week, they had so much rain, you know, over there in Texas. It was unbelievable. I mean, they had floods going everywhere. But, you know, it looks like, the, you know, for the shoot, the weather's going to be really nice and clear. And I'm sure that they're going to have just hundreds and hundreds of shooters. And, uh, you know, in next week, and I'll get John to address this. John's actually uh, uh, setting the targets for the uh, Utah State Sporting Clays uh, Championship. And uh, that's, that's next week, May 2nd through the 5th. So, 
folks, that's a little bit about what's going on. And uh, hey, that's a mouthful. I'm telling you, there's uh, there's a lot happening these days. But what I want to do, because I've got a lot to talk about with this gentleman. Uh, my guest this week, as I said just a little while ago, is John Kruger. Now, I met John, oh my gosh, uh, you know, 1990, you know, somewhere along that. And, um, uh, you know, he was he was already the the top dog. But, you know, here's a guy that's been a, a, a National Sporting Clays Association All-American 26 consecutive years. Uh, you know, he was captain of the team, you know, a number of times. Uh, he's won eight U.S. Open titles. And, and believe me, that's a that's a tough title to win. And. Uh, uh, you know he's he, he's just a remarkable shooter, and not only on clays. But I've uh, I've had a chance to go to Argentina with this guy, and and uh, he's just as deadly on birds. So, but what, I don't want to spill all of the beans. So, without further ado, I want to welcome to Winging Clay Nation, Mr. John Kruger, Mr. Sporting Clays. John, it's great to have you on the show, buddy. Yeah, glad, glad to be on. Yeah, we're on, John. It's great to have you on, bud. I'm glad to have you. Yep. What do you What do you would you like to ask me? Oh, I don't know, man. We're we, you know we've got a long way to go here. So uh, let's let's just let's just talk a little bit. Let's talk about some background here. Well, uh, you know, a lot of folks just know you as a as a great shot. They don't even know where you came from, what you did, you know, all of those kind of things. But uh, let take me back. Take me back to when you first got into shooting clays. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you were a hunter as a as a young younger man, but Talk about when you got into clay shooting and, uh, and and how that materialized. Well, growing up in northern Iowa, Grafton, little town of 250 people, we lived out in the country. We got to hunt pretty much any time we wanted. Never really shot shotgun all that much. It was a lot cheaper to go out and buy a brick of 22s and shoot shoot the 22. But when I was 22 years old. Um, friend asked me to fill in on a trap league in Osage, Iowa. So I went over there and uh, we shot 50 rounds on the trap league and I just got hooked and went shooting registered shoots with them the next weekend. And that's kind of how it all started, I guess. Mm-hmm. And shot quite a bit of crap for about four years and then seen a uh, ad for sporting clays and it uh, kind of interested me, so I went over the Minnesota Horse and Hunt Club and shot my first round of sporting clays in, and that was probably the fall of 1986. Wow, and that is, boy, you talk about in the infant stages of of all of this. I mean, at that particular time, uh, you know, the National Sporting Clays Association didn't even exist. I think, you know, you 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 may have it if you shot, you know, competitively back then, may have actually shot it under the uh, United States Sporting Clays Association. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. And so you, so you got you really didn't start till 1989. Right, right. So you got hooked, and I remember, you know, I remember the USSCA. We had a uh, down here in Georgia where I live. We had a had a club that was really rocking and rolling, and you know, a place called Heartbreak Ridge. And boy, I'm telling you, they had uh, 
they had shoots there uh, really, really often. So, you know, you kind of, you know, migrated over to that and started shooting competitively in, in sporting clays. And I, and I think you, you mentioned to me a little while ago that you actually won their national championship. And, uh, you know, things were, things were rocking and rolling right along. And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, you, you had something happen to you that I don't think anybody could, could ever wish to happen to anyone. And, uh, you know, you had a, a, a hand injury. Um, and, and John, I'll tell you, what, we, we're coming up on a break and I want to, I want to get into that when we come back, because, you know, that is, uh, that's something that happened that most people really and truly could not recover from. So John, stay tuned. And folks, you stay tuned as well. We'll be back with John Kruger to talk about how he got, you know, through a, a devastating injury and turned himself into one of the absolute premier shotgunners in the entire world. Folks, stay tuned. Wing and Clay Nation will be right back after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And we are here. He's exactly right. 
And uh, by all means, folks, uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, go to our show website, wingandclayradio.com, and I would really love for you to come over, check us out on Facebook, uh, like us, share it, and, uh, and you know, get involved. Uh, Facebook.com slash wingandclayradio. And uh, we, we're going to continue to have some really cool things there, uh, you know, start doing some some video work and things like that that you can enjoy. But I'm uh, I'm still here with my buddy John Kruger, and, and uh, right before the break, we kind of got into a little quick conversation about uh, uh, about uh, an injury that John had. And, and, and John, I really, I want to expand on that a little bit and, uh, you know, and, and let you talk about it because... This is something that uh, a lot of people would really, really uh, struggle to deal with. So why don't you just take take us back to the to the the injury day and 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 let's let's see how you dealt with it. Well, I got into trick shooting. I seen Bob Allen and his boy do a trick shooting trip and thought that that was pretty cool. So I kind of got into it. And then June sixteenth, nineteen eighty nine, I was doing a show in Richmond, Indiana. And after the show, one of the props I used was a ping pong ball filled with explosives. And when you threw it up in the air and shot it, it as part of the show, it made, you know, go off about like a half stick of dynamite. So we were shooting some pigeons out of a barn and there's an old cement silo there. And, and I was stupid and put a firecracker in that uh, little ball and was going to throw it into the, the uh, silo, try and get the pigeons out for the other guys. It was a fast fuse, and it went off and uh, blew everything off but my little finger. So yeah, pretty, pretty traumatic. Well, <laughs> that and, and and I would say, I mean, that's that's really that's really traumatic. So, uh, so all of a sudden, I, I I can't even imagine what went through your mind when that happened. I mean, I you know, I, I I've never had anything like that happen to me and uh uh and and you know of course we know each other i've seen you shoot i've, I've seen what you have to do with the velcro gloves and things like that to, to to get your hand up on the gun so just i mean walk me through you know how how did you how did you deal with it uh you know how how tough was the was the rehab and and you know how did you just come about you know getting back to being the great shot that you were well, about it was actually it was a week after it was the first national NSCA championship at the Minnesota Horse and Hunt Club, mm-hmm. and I live in Northern Iowa, so it was only about an hour and forty-five minutes. But my mom took me up there, you know, to see everybody, and actually went out and tried putting the gun on my right-hand cast and tried shooting left-handed, and that was pretty awkward. And I tried it oh, a week later. I went to do a game fair in Kansas City uh, and tried it left-handed there again. Man, that was awkward. So when I would go get the, the oh, hand worked on, they'd clean it and everything. I told the doctor, I said, hey, leave my little finger out of the cast. And he said, why do you want that? And I said, well, let's see if I can hook it on the trigger of the gun and see if I can shoot a little bit, and he didn't think that was a very good idea. Uh, I would imagine he looked at you, at you like you were nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I I tried that, and I thought, well, you know what? I think I might be able to work, work around that 
that problem and uh, actually went down to visit Mike Hampton in San Antonio and we rigged up a, a Velcro glove that just had long straps so it could strap it around the gun and, and be able to, because I couldn't hold on to the gun, I only had a little finger left. But that actually worked pretty good, and then that that came to be in a little bit different form where I had a like a golf glove made and made to the shape of my hand and then put Velcro on that and then had Velcro on the shotgun so I could actually kind of hang on to the shotgun a little bit. But Mike Hampton helped me out uh, a lot with that and uh, just kind of went from there and it was probably I guess two months after the accident in the uh, Minnesota state championships I went up and shot and that and won it so I thought you know what I can I think I can get back to it again <laughs> mm-hmm. well and, and you know and that's the thing John I mean you you know the, the it, it's a mind over matter thing you know because you look at that and you're thinking my gosh you know uh how could this happen? But, you know, you have such a passion for shooting. You know, I, I you know, we spent time together in, in various places and I know how much you absolutely love it. I mean, it's it's your life. And, uh, you know, when that's the case, I, you find a way to overcome. And and, uh, and and you certainly did do that. And, and I, I, I mentioned to you during the break, I, you know, we we started talking about the USSCA being ahead of the NSCA and, and uh, you know, you were a, a, an integral part of getting the National Sporting Club Association going. And, you know, I know my my member number is uh, 502-048. And uh, what would you say yours was? 50029. <laughs> that, my boy. That's just a, yeah, make <laughs> Nice person, if I wouldn't have been in Argentina dove hunting, I probably would have had number three or four. Oh, geez, <laughs> that's that's absolutely amazing. So, so let, let's talk about this. I mean, I, I am, um, you know, I got into 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 sporting, you know, back in the in the late eighties, uh, actually eighty eighty nine, I guess it was, and uh, you know, things are different today. Uh, uh, you know, we we both saw what was going on early on and and uh, I know down where I live I don't know about where where you were shooting but everything was 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 fast and far and they wanted to make sure that nobody could shoot anywhere close to 95 and uh, you know these guys were cranking these springs up and uh, you know things were different today yeah I mean you still you still have that today and and some places even it's even tougher, but the quality, you know, the shooters have just gotten so good in yeah, the, in they the last maybe 15 years, 12, 15 years. They're just uh, spending an incredible amount of time practicing and, and figuring those targets out. We're back when you and I started, and it was all a learning process, mm-hmm. and, you, you know, you, you had a learning curve there. <laughs> For quite a few years with a new game, but uh, gosh, these kids that get into it now—I mean, they just shoot an incredible amount of targets. I mean, back you remember when you and I uh, started? I mean, gosh, if you shot, you know, twenty-five hundred, three thousand rounds a year, that seemed like a lot. Now they're well, yeah, and it was a lot. And well, you know, I had um, um, 
uh, Brad Kidd Jr. on the show, you know, some weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he was doing really well last year and, you know, kind of had a snag at the Nationals. And he said, hey, I've got to, almost like Tiger Woods, I've got to go remake my game here. So he he made a comment on the show that in, uh, I think it was in November, December, and the first part of January, he had shot about 20,000 rounds, you know, getting getting back into the game and that's that's such a difference from what we had you know in the in the late 80s early 90s yeah i i think back then it was more of a social game there was still the competition but it, it was more more a social game than what it what it developed into now you still have the, the social aspects of why people shoot Clay targets, not, not only sporting clays, but trap and skeet and, and whatever else there is to shoot with a shotgun. Well, you know, I, re- I remember, and, and this is something that, you know, but, you know, I, I won't say it bugs me, but I, I just wonder because, you know, back in the, in the early 90s, I was, I was on the National Advisory Council and, uh, you know, and I was a part of that council when we, when we formed Masterclass. And, uh, you know, I, I distinctly remember the conversations in the in the advisory council meetings, and it was uh, it was going to be that the top thirty shooters in the country were named a master class, and that would that would actually change at the end of the of the shoot year, and uh, you know somewhere we got off track with that, and uh, you know now we've just got a uh, we've got a ton of master class shooters. Yeah, too too many. But a lot of that problem was when you shoot small gauge, you get punches for that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people advance up in, into not only master class, but even into you know B, C, A. I mean, but just just by shooting small gauge very well. So right. that that kind of put a pickle. Pickle in the you know the whole thing. I think that's just mm-hmm. my opinion about it. Well, no, and 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 you're you're absolutely right. And I and I'm I'm one of those guys that that you know I I really want people to be competitive if if they want to be competitive shooters. You know, I'd, I'd like for them to be competitive at the level that they're playing. And you know, and and I guess some folks don't care. You know, one way or the other, you know, they're they're in it for the social game more than anything else. And to achieve master class is something that a lot of people put on their, uh, you know, put on their wish list. And uh, and when they get there, they're really happy. But, uh, you know, now you've we're going to uh, take a break here in, in, in a little less than a minute. Uh, when I come back, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about about your course design and your target setting and things like that. And then we'll, then we'll get into some shooting styles and stuff like that. And then, and then uh, I've got some questions that uh, some listeners have sent in, but um, uh, you know, the, the, the target setting uh, that you do, uh, a lot of people have really uh, applauded the things that you're able to do with, uh, with a clay target. And when we, when we come back, when we're getting ready to take a break, when we come back, we're going to talk about that. And I want you to give me your philosophy on, uh, on target setting and, and course design and things like that, because I know a lot of folks out there want to hear it. So folks, stay tuned. When we come back, John is going to give us some great information that everybody can use. Wing and Clay Nation will be right back after these messages. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside the minds of the players and coaches? We talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college sports. We'll review and preview this week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. Wing and Clay Radio at gmail.com. That's Wing and Clay Radio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And here we are, and I'm with uh, with John Kruger, and we're we've been talking about a whole lot of stuff that is really, really, really interesting to me. I mean, I'm I'm learning a lot just listening to John. I'm hearing some things that I, that I didn't know, um, but you know, one of the one of the things that that he and I both have done after being in this in this business for a long, long time, you know, John, you know, probably uh, stayed a, a competitive shooter a lot longer than I did, of course, and he did actually. Uh, you know, I got into the the gun club management business and you know, kind of kind of stuck it out that way for a while and then got into doing course design and, uh, you know, been very fortunate to do a lot of courses as John has. In fact, I, I just uh, got back last night. I, I had to fly out to Pittsburgh. Um, we've got a, a new course that I'm designing. Uh, it's actually in West Virginia, around Weirton, West Virginia. It's a little up in that little sliver between Ohio and and uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, but this is going to be a really, really quality place. But, but John, you know, when we start talking about uh, about course design, you know, you were you were one of the, the the guys on the cutting edge of doing that. And I've had I've had a number of people ask me uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, how in the heck does John Kruger set targets so, so close and so easy looking that nobody can hit? And uh, uh, I, I, you know, if you would give me just a little bit about your philosophy on on course design and target setting. I think the folks would really like to hear that. Well, I mean, my opinion is it's easy to set a hard target. It's a little harder mm-hmm. to set something that people look at and go, oh, can I miss that? Mm-hmm. You know, and this game was designed 
to for practice for a hunter. So, you know, having targets that simulate hunting, especially in the beginning, was was important. I mean, I know it's it's veered away from that a little bit now, but um, and it's more towards the competitive shooters, especially at the tournaments. But you know, for your weekly, daily business, you gotta. Because most of these people that come and support the gun clubs, they're social shooters, and they just want to break targets. Mm-hmm. And to throw them something outrageous is just, it's, it's ridiculous because they don't understand it. They get frustrated. They get mad. Um, you know, just to me, it's, it's, it's vision. I mean, throw the targets so people can see them. 65% of the people that shoot this game are 55 and older. Yes. And you know when you get older, your eyes don't quite work as they did when you were 20 years old or 25 years old. So getting those targets uh, situated so that everybody can see them and, and have a good time, that's important. Well, you know, and, you, and John, you, you, go to, you go to places, and, 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 and you're absolutely right. It is all about being able to see the targets. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that you're talking about that is, you know, advanced beyond that, beyond that age. And, uh, you know, it's, it is harder to see targets now, and, you, and, you know, your reaction time is a little bit slower. Uh, but, you know, about, uh, about 8% of all the shooters are colorblind anyway. I mean, uh, it, it's tough enough for those guys to see them. But, uh, you know, I know I get frustrated, and I know you do, when you see somebody, for instance, throwing a black target against a dark green background. I mean, there's no reason to do that. But that's the kind of stuff that you see every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of guys are, are pretty good at setting setting targets it's just you can't get in the mindset of that you're you're gonna beat uh wendell cherry or bill mcguire or or anthony matteries and have that stuck in your mind that by god i'll set a target one of them guys can't hit (laughs) and then if you do that for a lot of stations then you've got you've got a problem because the same guy's going to win it, whether or not it's easy or hard. Right. The, the, right. the, the guy that's got his mind right, the guy that's that you know has that day, and his mind is right. Whether you said it easy or hard, he'll win it anyway. So well, make it and, fun. Make it fun for everybody. Well, and and you're exactly right. And uh, you know, I mean, you've shot a lot of my stuff. I mean, I I, I will I will tell you that you know and. And, and I don't, I can't tell you why, but in all of the, the tournament targets that I've set over all these years, uh, I've never had anybody run a hundred on me. And I, and I will tell you, and, and, and they should have. In fact, John Kruger should have. <laughs> At one of the DU shoots in Savannah, uh, I remember you shot a 99 and I happened to be standing not too far from you and you snuck that barrel right over the top of a springing teal. And that was the only bird that got away from you. But, um, yeah. you know, those things, ha- yeah, those things happen. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, it, and, and then, you know, if you remember back, we were at the, up at the Canadian uh, Open that time, and you were, you were shooting, and I, I happened to see you, and I said, John, how's it going? He said, oh, I'm shooting like crap today. <laughs> and I said, what's up? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. And he got up and, you know, and shot a station, and and actually somehow missed a couple of birds. And you know, I've been around you long enough, and and 
you know, before you walked off, you, you know, there was nobody anywhere around. And this was kind of a, a laid back shoot. And he said, can I shoot that again? I said, sure. And, it, you know, you, you did. And you turned around and looked at me and said, what the heck am I doing? And uh, I think I said at the time, well, John, I've seen you shoot a lot of targets and you don't put your face in the gun very long. But, you you know, it's just bouncing right now. And then and, and, um, the eyes were coming off the gun and the gun's stopping. And uh, yeah, you you made a quick correction of that, and I think the next day you stuck a 96 up on the board. So, you know, it was, um, you know, little things like that, uh, you know, really make a difference. And uh, so, and a lot of people ask me, you know, how does how does John Kruger shoot? So do me a favor. You shoot, you know, what we call, or what you call, the Kruger method. What is that? Talk to me. What is it? Oh, I don't know if it's a Kruger method or not. <laughs> well, hey, I, just I only say that because it, I'm looking at the at the at the PSA website, uh, PSCA website, and uh, and and it says a shooting method, and it says Kruger method. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, John, you know, what the, what what the heck do you what do you do uh, to look down that gun to be so successful? I I really pay a lot of attention to how fast the target's moving. That that means more to me than anything. I don't really pay much attention to distance at all because I just think most people can't judge distance very well anyway. But how fast the target's moving to me has far more to do with how much lead you give it than, than distance ever does. You well, know, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly it's, the case if it, if it's got any angle to it. I mean, if it's crossing, the, you know, the faster birds are certainly going to take, you know, a lot more lead. Now, you know, I mean, you, you talk. I, mean, I had Scotty Robertson uh, your show last week, and and Scotty says, you know, we, you know, most of us guys, you know, we 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 look for lead early because most targets do require some. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not out there chasing. We get the gun up in front and kind of kind of adjust the lead pretty quick. Is, is that, that what you do? Well, I like, I mean, I like to say tag the target. Then that barrel is, has matched the speed of the target for an instant. Mm-hmm. When you, when, whether you're shooting feet task with the gun down or whether you shoot the gun shouldered, it really doesn't matter. If you push that barrel onto the target, you'll match his speed for just an instant. Now now your your gun control is controlled a little bit mm-hmm. more in my mind. And then by seeing the targets before you shot, you better have a pretty good idea, you know, how much you gotta get ahead of it because that's what you're go that's what you're gonna think about shooting. To me, every target has a spot. Where's that spot I'm gonna shoot? Where's that spot I'm going to get the barrel to? And that's important for me because if a target's falling, I mean, I have a sense of timing that allows me to tell myself exactly where I'm going to break the target every time. And then what I pay attention to is what is that target doing right there where I want to break it? Exactly. Is it, is it falling? Is it falling? Is it rising? Is it curling? You know, what's it doing where I want to break it? I don't care what it does before it gets there. I don't care what it does after. What's it doing right where I want to break it? Now that barrel needs to match that line to effectively get to that spot. Mm-hmm. Well, and and so much of it 
is all is all based on making a really nice insertion point that's consistent because you know by and large the target's going to be the same you know the gun's the same the target's the same the choke's the same the shell's the same you know everything's pretty much the same except the shooter and uh, you know you're you're absolutely spot on I mean what's the target doing when you really plan to pull the trigger that is really a key element yes it is and I you know a lot of people that get started in the game, I mean, I call them chasers. They chase the target from point A to point B and somewhere they hope the heck it looks right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they don't have that, you know, they, they need to develop that, that sense of timing that allows them to motion and move the gun consistently. You hate to say you want to get like a trap or skeet shooter, but you, you kind of do to a certain point where your your timing just gets so comfortable that when timing gets comfortable, then you get comfortable. Well, and then, that, that is, then things are a lot easier. Well, you're absolutely spot on with that, and and you know I, I you know I mean I, as a as an instructor like you are, I mean I actually, you know I, I remember years ago when when uh, John Bidwell from England you know came out move mount shoot you know and everybody started getting into that move mount shoot thing. Well, uh, you know uh, Biddy never really you know shot exactly like that you know if you ever stood behind the guy you know he did a little bit more than that and and i am um, always would use in my lessons i'd say you know move the gun mount the gun see the picture kill the bird you know and what you just described is what's the target doing at the time you plan to shoot it there's my picture and you know when you see that picture that's a dead bird yeah that's what you hope for that's exactly what you hope for. <laughs> Make no mistake. Well, hey, real quick before we take a break, it's, a lot of, um, it's confident too. You well, know, yeah, if you're not confident. It's not not good. Well, either. you know, and and John, the big the big thing with that it, you know, that confidence comes from not chasing the target. You know, if you're if if you're in sync with that bird, like you say, you know, you move as it moves, and when the gun up into your face, you know, there's a target, there's a picture I want to see dead bird and it's very comfortable then boy life gets a whole lot simpler at that point i mean um, you know and then it's just a matter of you know is it repeatable you know and that's a that's a big part of the mental part of the game that uh, that a lot of guys struggle with right right i mean a lot of people have had a dollar for every time somebody said god you don't hardly move the gun at all well i do but you know it's always in line with the target yeah, you do move it. It's just not necessarily up in the face all the time. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, I'm that's, not chasing the target. Yeah, right. I'm not chasing it. I'm, a lot of targets, I let them come to me. There's mm-hmm. no need to get in a hurry. Right. I'm not going to get away from you. Well, hey, uh, John, we're going to take a, one more. We'll take our last break in the show here. And when we come back, uh, I've got some listener questions that got got sent to me through the the Shotgun World website, and uh, I want to throw those out at you, and uh, we'll we'll get as many of them answered as we can. But um, uh, boy, with some great information, John, I, you know, I really really appreciate it. And I know the listeners do. So hey, folks, we've got more to come with John Kruger, Mr. Sporting Clays, right after these messages on Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com think of the world 50 years ago now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. WingandClayRadio at gmail.com That's WingandClayRadio at gmail.com now, let's get back to this week's show. Hey, guys, and welcome back. And uh, uh, this portion of Wing and Clay Nation is brought to you by my good buddy, Jack Homa, with uh, ESP, Hearing Protection, Electronic Shooters Protection. And I'm telling you, um, you know, as many shots as John and I have heard over our years, we better have our ears protected. And, and you better do the same thing because it only takes one shot to have something really bad happen. So do yourself a favor. Check out my buddy uh, Jack Homa and ESP at ESPAmerica.com. And uh, he's got a lot of different models there, uh, something that will fit everybody's budget. And I can promise you, you will be very happy with the results of getting those products. Now, John, we're back. Uh, real quick, I've got some um, I've got some questions that some listeners sent in, and and we're going to bounce a few of those along, and and uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what John's doing now that he's not shooting a whole lot. Uh, got to be doing something to, to to keep yourself occupied. But but here's the first question that uh, that came in. So I understand that John is using a release trigger. Uh, this guy says because of a bad flinch, I can't really tell you whether that's right or wrong. It says, do you feel that the release trigger has solved the problems that you have? And um, has it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's made yeah. it better. So, um, so, you know, has you, you haven't had any, so any, any, any regression, you know, going to that release. Everything's still good. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I should have went to it 25 years ago, but I just kind of uh-huh. was reluctant sure. to do it. Right. I mean, I flinched, I flinched before I ever had my accident, so a lot of people think it was because of that, and it, it wasn't. But I struggled, you know, a long time with, with flinching, and when I was 50 years old, I actually went, went to the release and uh, captain of both the task and the sporting all American team the same year, so it really didn't really didn't uh, hurt anything, I guess. But uh, a lot of people shoot release triggers. I mean, if you if you do have flinching, um, it's it's an option that you definitely need to look at uh, mm-hmm. to you know just get out of it or enjoy shooting again. Sure, sure. Now you know we talked a little bit earlier about. Uh, you know, target setting and course design and and things like that. And uh, you know, I have a you know one one gentleman uh, sent me a, a question that says, you know, how does John keep fooling everybody with targets that are 25 yards away that look like you can hit every one of them? I mean, what 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 little things? Do, do you, I know what I do, but I, I want to hear what you do. And and uh, you know, what what is it that 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 makes those targets or makes that guy miss when he really doesn't think he's going to well i i think it's i think it's variety more than anything i mean keeping people entertained um there's a lot of people that that if the targets are all just fast and really really going there's certain people don't have any trouble with that at all Mm -hmm. because that's their style of shooting and they they get keyed in onto that but I think personally, I think it takes more gun control to shoot a slow target than it does a fast target. And then if you mix mix that all up in in a way that you know it it's entertaining to people and it's it it's not fun to miss, but it's not you know it's a lot less fun to miss something twenty yards in front of you. Yeah, and 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 really, John, when you look at it, it's. Uh, <clears throat> It it's a lot more fun to miss when you thought you should have hit it. You know, like you said earlier, you right. know, anybody anybody can set a hard target that nobody can hit. Okay, I mean, you can crank it up and you can throw the most ridiculous presentation in the world, and I don't care who you are. You know, I, I mean, uh, uh, you're still you're still going to beat the really really good shooters with that. But I, I I've always been under the impression, and I know this from from setting a lot of targets, and and I'd like your thought on this. You know, a lot of really good shooters have a tendency to miss easier targets that guys down in C and D class don't miss because they start to overthink those slow, easy-looking birds. They can hit the hard stuff. It's those those little floaters that most of those guys never work on that get them. Yeah, I mean, they they tend to miss them because they take them for granted. They just think, oh, geez, here's another easy station. I'm going to... I'm going to smoke all of these and then don't get their mind set uh, mm-hmm. in, in the right place to, to actually deal with those targets. Well, I know that I know that if the darn thing's moving, you better give it some respect because uh, uh, it, it takes that. Now, I had a, uh, another question. Well, uh, what's your thought on ammunition? You know, I know uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm uh, do you still shoot Fioki and, and uh stuff like that or, or but just on the ammunition 
you know, as a whole. I, I think early on you didn't shoot really, really hot stuff. No, I never, never really did shoot the hot stuff. I, I like less recoil period. And the less recoil I can get in the gun, I mean, they're these new shells, one ounce, you know, 1150 to 1200 feet per second in that range are so good. Um, a one ounce pattern's better than an ounce and an eighth, ounce and an eighth pattern's better than an ounce and a quarter. So uh, I literally just shoot all one ounce loads and light loads. Mm-hmm. And when there's less recoil, I feel as though I can get through a day of three or four hundred rounds a lot easier than you know getting getting beat up by the ammo. Right. <clears throat> One thing I do know: if the gun's in the right place, the target breaks. Right. That I, I do know. I won't argue with anybody that that a fast shell will smoke a target up close better than better than a you know, slow shell. But once Jeff Bradley did testing, once it's beyond about about 38, 40 yards, there's no difference between 1,150 feet per second and the 1,350 feet per second. Yeah, That's absolutely, absolutely. The hey, faster uh, you shove it out of the gun, the quicker it slows down. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming up coming up on the close of the show, and I, I want, you know, uh, real quick, John, give me about a minute. What's John Kruger doing nowadays? You know, you're not shooting a lot of competition. You're doing some target setting and design and some teaching. What else? Tell me about your woodworking. Hey, we've got about 30 seconds on that, and uh, give me a website that people can go to. Well, I'm living here in Colorado, and I have a website, johnkrugerwoodart.com. And my wife, Cynthia, puts pictures of all the turnings up on there, and uh, that's how we met, actually, shooting. And she's a very accomplished shooter, All-American, and won the ladies' Colorado State Championship last year, so it's a pretty good partnership. And I just loved woodworking all my life, and that's kind of what I do now, and it's fun, a lot of fun. All right, buddy. Well, listen, um, thank you so much for being part of the show. You have been absolutely great. Lots and lots of information, folks. Uh, John Kruger, what a great guy. And listen, we'll see you next time on Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Be safe, have fun, and shoot well. Thank you for listening to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Please join Marty again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week's show, think safety first and good shooting.